You are listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Highland Baptist Church, please visit our website at hbcmolino.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Josh Helton. Thank you for that, Brother David. It goes right along with, with where we're going to be at today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is, uh, uh, we're continuing to walk through the, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we, we started this uh, series this past week, and we'll be here for several weeks as we cover uh, uh, these three chapters here in Matthew and 5, 6, and 7, and uh, just taking little chunks of it uh, at a time. But last week, we, we looked at the Beatitudes, and, and that's how Jesus started uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and there's um, those, all those blessed uh, characteristics uh, that he said they'd be blessed if you had uh, those characteristics. And, and I reminded you that he was uh, talking to his followers at that time. Uh, the disciples were sitting in front of him there on the mountainside, and uh, he, he was addressing them, and he continues to do that with this. Uh, one, of the, one of the dangers that we often fall into with um, a, a, a series like this, or even sections of Scripture that cover multiple chapters, is, is oftentimes we look and we'll go, okay, today we're looking at four verses, and we'll just read those four verses for, for what they are. And uh, you can draw an understanding from what those things are, but oftentimes uh, we miss the context of the overall passage. Uh, one of the things that I learned in some of my seminary classes is that uh, context is very important when you're looking at, at Scripture. And so uh, what we want to do today is uh, continuing on in that context of those characteristics that Jesus talked about that we addressed last week will now lead us into a very familiar passage for, for many of you most likely, uh, and, but, but we've got to look at it in that same context. We can't separate these things. He's given us these characteristics. He's told us these are things that should be there in the life of a believer uh, and, and things that we strive for, things that, that we talked about last week that are very different than what the world teaches us. It is um, quite opposite of that, and it, uh, where we left off it leads to persecution, uh, it leads to us losing things because we're not like the rest of the world. Uh, and, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, that, is a, that is not a bad thing. We're not called to just blend in with everybody else. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart, uh, to be holy as God is holy. Uh, and so Jesus continues that mindset as he walks into uh, this passage that we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in uh, verses uh, 13 through 16 this morning. Uh, and there's, there's two things that we find in this passage that we should be to the world. Uh, and, and I would even challenge us that, that if we have those characteristics that we talked about last week and we allow those things to be seen you'll find your greatest impact. And so this morning, we're going to look at the impact of a believer and what those characteristics will allow us to do to uh, the world through uh, these two different things. And they are salt and light. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says this. You are the salt of the earth. I'm going to pause right there for because in verse 13 and 14... It doesn't give us a promise that you will become. It doesn't give us the, the idea that you should be. It doesn't say that, hey, if you do things right, you will be. It says you are 
the salt of the earth. So it's, it's not a question of whether or not I am being the salt of the earth or not. If you are a follower of Christ, and this is what he is telling his disciples and what he is telling the church today, is that you are the salt of the earth. Now we're going to look here in just a little bit, and we're going to have to determine individually if our salt is any good or not. See, he doesn't say that you, you may be, you might be, you can be. He says you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt can go bad. It takes a long time, but salt can go bad. And, and he addresses that here in just a moment. It says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So first, Jesus tells his disciples and all the crowd that's listening to him, because the crowd's there at the bottom uh, of that mountainside or sitting on the mountainside with him, uh, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. And for me, one of those things, I understand what salt is for. I, we, we had Mexican food for dinner uh, last night. This, there was plenty of salt on my chips. I know what salt is for in my context. But I wanted to understand what salt was used for in their day and time. Now, they used it a little bit differently than we do. They still used it for flavor. It provided flavor. Uh, and that is one of the things here. But there's a lot of different uses that salt has. Uh, salt is used in a lot of different things today. Uh, depending on which article you read, it could be hundreds of uses. It could be uh, 20 uses. It could be five uses. It could be a lot of different things. Uh, I, I tried to do some research on that. And a lot of people say it's, it's just used in a lot of things. But the, the point that Jesus was using here, uh, the two uses that he highlighted are uh, preservation and taste. The two uses that Jesus wants his people to understand about salt in that context that he is using is preservation and taste. Now, if you go back to uh, this time where Jesus is speaking to uh, these disciples and the people here on the mountainside, they don't run home and open up their refrigerator and pull their food out. They had to use salt to preserve the goods that they had. They, that was the preservation side of it is uh, salt was good for preventing and killing bacteria on food so that it would last longer, so they'd be able to use it and it wouldn't spoil uh, as, as soon as uh, they uh, cut open that meat or whatever the case may be. And, and other countries still do that. We still do that in, in some of the stuff that we do with, with meat and stuff, with, with salt. But in their day and time, they didn't run home and open up the refrigerator and, and have that to preserve their goods. No, because the refrigerator didn't come around uh, until uh, the 1800s, from best I could tell. Uh, early 1900s, it became popular uh, in homes as it became a, a way that we could actually get that. Some of you may even remember the first refrigerator you had growing up. Uh, I, I'm not sure on that, but it, it is a technology that we have today that we take for granted. But in Jesus' day, salt was extremely useful for preservation. Because it kept things from, from getting corrupted. It kept things from, from going bad. And so as we look at uh, this idea for salt, is what does that mean for us today? It's pretty straightforward for Jesus. He told him, he said, you're the salt of the earth. But if we are to break down that context, what does that mean for believers today? 
Some of you would say, well, that means I get to be salty. And that's not the context that he's using here uh, for, for, uh, for, for those that may be thinking, yeah, that gives me a, a right to be uh, uh, extra seasoning there. No, that's not uh, what Jesus is saying here. He's not telling us uh, that we're supposed to be salty. But what he is saying here is that there are a couple of qualities that should be found in us that should impact our world. See, because the thing that we know is there is corruption in the world. There will continue to be corruption in the world until Jesus comes back, until he makes all things new. But the, the thing here with this idea is part of us, we are the salt of the earth, and so we're supposed to show something different to the world. We are supposed to prevent that corruption as much as we can by being an example to the people around us. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And when we're still good, when we still do the things that we're supposed to do, that salt will affect the people around us. Because what does salt do? Not only does it preserve stuff and it provides flavor, but it also makes you thirsty. You get enough salt and you get really, really thirsty. You got to have something to wash it down. Well, see, the truth of this is when we are the people that God created us to be, when people see Jesus in us, we're just like salt and they become thirsty. And they want to know what it is that's different about us. They desire to see what it is that's different in us. And they go, well, there's got to be something about this Jesus that they worship, that they say they believe in, that they follow, that they spend time reading his word. They spend time praying uh, to him through these different things. And they keep saying something about this Jesus. But the thing is, if they don't see it as evidence in our life, guess what? They never become thirsty with our salt. They'll never get to the point where they look and go, you know, I've got to have some more of that. I have to be careful because I like salt. It's not really great for you in large doses. We do need some of it because uh, our body does use it. Uh, but I got to be careful because you get a little taste of salt and then you just want a little bit more. And you want a little bit more. And see, the reality of what Jesus is telling his disciples here is if you'll follow me how I'm telling you to follow me, guess what? The world's going to want a little bit more and a little bit more. And they're going to become thirsty for what it is that they see in you. But the truth of the matter is, far too many times, our salt doesn't have the taste that it used to. Our, our salt doesn't have the flavor that it used to. Our salt is not doing what it once could to the people around us because our salt is not as effective as it used to be. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this morning, if you spend time with God, if you continue to grow in Him, if you spend time in prayer, and if you're trying to become the person that God wants you to be, if you're striving after Him and you continue to seek Him Throughout your days, your salt will not lose its flavor. The problem becomes when we think that we can do it ourselves, that salt starts to become more and more useless. And then what the scripture says here is that when, when salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. It may kill some vegetation. You may be able to kill some weeds with it. But that's about all it's good for. 
is to be thrown out. It no longer has the effectiveness that it once had. See, but if you look at this in the light of all those characteristics that Jesus uh, pointed out in the Beatitudes, all that stuff that we looked at, and even in that context of us expecting persecution to come because we're following him in, in such a way, then we begin to see that our salt can be very, very powerful. If it's good or if it's bad. Because, you see, the thing is, people, people get a taste of your salt. People get a hint of that every time they're around you. And they look and go, they may know that this morning, hey, you're at church because that's what you tell them you do. Every Sunday morning you go to church. They may know that you sang some hymns this morning. They may know uh, whether or not you tithe or, or uh, whether you're giving or whether you're volunteering to, to teach a Sunday school class or if you're uh, doing something on Wednesday nights. They may know the different things that you're saying with your mouth, but they're watching your life. And guess what? That salt is giving them every bit of information that they need. Because when you tell them, I'm a believer, when you tell them, I, I love Jesus, when you, when you have that bumper sticker on your car, when you're wearing that t-shirt, or when you got that chain, or that tattoo, or whatever it is on it that says, hey, this is me, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you're wearing that stuff out in public, people are watching. They're watching and they're going, I want to see what the value of their salt is. I want to see how effective their salt is. And so they're not going to come up to you and ask you most likely about your Jesus until they've seen that Jesus in you. The t-shirt, the bracelets, the logos, the bumper stickers, the jewelry, the hats. All of that is only good if you back it up. You can wear every Jesus t-shirt you want to. You can have every cross necklace that they've ever made. You can have all the jewelry that, that depicts something from him. But guess what? If you don't live that life, you've got tasteless salt. And I know that's hard. But that's the truth. The truth is, people are looking and they already know what you're professing with your mouth. They just want to see that your life is professing the same thing. And Jesus told his followers here, he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're going to be the reason that people come to me. I've only got one way that I'm reaching people and that's through my followers. That's through the people that profess a relationship with me. The only way that the world will ever see Jesus outside of these walls is if the church rises up and does what it's supposed to do. Amen. He said, you are the salt of the earth because you are the means that I'm going to get my message to the nations. But when people see you, does that salt make them thirst for more? Or do they look and go, ah, that salt really leaves me desiring something. Wasn't any flavor to that salt. Wasn't any kick to that. It didn't have the kick that I'm used to or what I wanted. There wasn't anything there that, that left me desiring more. So the reality is that's a problem with the church today. Is that when the world looks at us, and I'm not just talking about Highland. I'm talking about the large global church. When the, when the world looks at us, they don't see a whole lot of differences. We got a lot of flavorless salt that's going through the motions. 
That's something I have to check myself. That's something I have to pray about is, Lord, that, that, that my salt would not be flavorless, that my salt would, I'm putting out there to people that, that may know, hey, that's the new, one of the new pastors there in Molino. He's the, he's the pastor there at Highland. And I know his face because I've seen it on social media through different friends and stuff I have. But they're, they're not going to have that conversation with me most likely. They're just going to watch. And if I look just like them, then they have no desire to come and be a part of what God's doing. If I look just like them, if I talk just like them, if everything that I do looks like the world, then my salt does not affect them in a positive way. My salt reinforces that they're good enough, that they don't have to change, that they're going to be okay. Because, hey, if the pastor can act like me, then I guess I'll be all right too. The reality of it is, the harsh reality of it is, there's a lot of people looking for some quality salt. There's a lot of people in our world that says, I need, I need something that's going to add something to my life. I need something that's going to change what it is that I'm taking in. I need something that's going to give me hope that there's better flavor than what it is I have right now. And Jesus told us that that salt comes from us. We are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? This morning, the beauty of that is you can be made salty again. You can find that flavor. The hard part of that is you're going to have to change. The good news is you can't change yourself. Only God can do that. The bad news is you've got to be willing to lay stuff down to let Him change you because He's not going to force it on you. So you may be sitting there this morning and saying, Josh, you know what? I, I'm not very salty like I used to be. That salt doesn't have that same kick that it used to have. That salt just doesn't, it's not packing that punch that it used to. Things have changed. My circumstances have changed. Life's been hard. God says, I can make you salty again. You just got to continue to follow me. You got to come back home. You got you to turn back and stop trying to do stuff on your own. You got to stop trying to carry that load that, that we came forward and laid here at the altar. We got to stop trying to bear all of our burdens because he says, take my yoke because it's easy. My burden is light. Take that upon you and walk with that and I will carry all that guilt and all that shame and all that sin and I'll carry that for you. But far too many times we may come to an altar, we may sit in a pew and may say, God, I want to change, I want to do these things. And I'm preaching to myself here. Far too many times we say, yeah, God, you can have every bit of it but that one thing. God, I want to change. And guess what? Monday comes and I got that thing right back in my pocket. Lord, I want to change. I want to be different. But the old habits die hard, right? We can be made salty again. But it takes the power of God working in our life to change us to the people that God has called us to be. Because he says very clearly, you are the salt of the earth. So if you have a relationship with Jesus today, you are the salt of the earth.
of the earth. But we're not just... We're not just preserving corruption. We're supposed to have some flavor about us. We're supposed to have some some flavor in in our lives. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says this. Y'all can write it down and you can go back to it later and check it out. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6 says this. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Verse 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Sometimes our salt helps us speak truth into the lives of people. Sometimes our salt is that seasoning that we need to show people, hey, I care about you, I love you, but this is what you need. That salt allows you to have those tough conversations because when we season it with Christ, that salt that He's given us, when we season those conversations with Him, when we allow Him to work in the lives of the people that we have conversations with, sometimes it's a little bit easier for them to swallow. Sometimes it tastes a little bit better going down because our speech is seasoned with salt. See, there's, there's a lot of different ways you could carry this idea of us being the salt of the earth. But in reality is we got to get to a point and a place in our lives where we're giving him everything so that people see him in us. You want to boil it all down, even when we get into light, is we got to get to a place where we're willing to give Jesus everything so that people can see him in us and all that we do. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be really hard for you to be salt on Sunday and flavorless on Monday through Saturday. Life is going to be very difficult because guess what? You're really just kind of fooling yourself. Because if you're salt on Sunday, but you're not salt the rest of the week, what are you doing? What is the goal? What is the purpose of that? When, when the world doesn't see us, if we're looking and going, hey, we want to proclaim all of this. This is what we want the people to see from us. So we're going to church and we're spending time in his word on Sunday, but it doesn't affect our Monday through Saturday. What good is it? He didn't say you're the salt of the earth when you're at church. He didn't tell his disciples, you're the salt of the earth when I'm around you. No, he said, you're the salt of the earth no matter what. Your job is to go and affect people for me and my glory. Church, I urge you not to allow the circumstances of this world, not to allow the problems of life to steal your saltiness, to steal that from you, to affect you in a way where we can't affect the people outside these walls. He moves on in verse 14 and says this, you are, there it is again, it's not a you will be, you might be or you could be. It says you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He tells us there, and we walked through this passage just a few weeks ago when we were looking at our mission and how we go and, and, and be the, the change in front of people is we got to be a light to people. And Jesus tells us here, he says, you are the light of the world. You are. Jesus also says in 
John chapter 8, verse 12. He says this, And Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. If, you, if you're taking notes and you want to write that one down. Jesus looked at the people there in, in John's gospel and said, I am the light of the world. And you're like, well, Josh, you just told me. He said, you are the light of the world. Well, he's the capital L, light of the world. That is one of his characteristics, one of his attributes. And when we follow him, guess what happens is we reflect that light. Just like you can go out at night on a, on, uh, on a clear night and you can see the moon and you can even see some of uh, the, the variations in, in the depth of the moon and just some different qualities that it has on the face on a really clear night and uh, being up here in Melito and stuff where you can get away from street lights and stuff you can see a lot more in in the sky and and you get an idea of what the moon looks like but the moon doesn't provide its own light it reflects it that light comes from the sun See, he's telling his followers here, he said, guys, you're, you're going to be the light of the world. You are the light of the world because you're going to reflect me. When you have all these characteristics in your life, when you follow me, when you do the things that I'm calling you to do, you will reflect me. It is no different for us today, church. Amen. When we follow Jesus, we reflect him. When we don't follow Jesus, guess what? We're still reflecting stuff, but it's not stuff that anybody wants. It's not stuff that's going to make people look and go, I need a taste of that. I desire to follow that. I desire to see that in my life. It is not that. It is one of those things that says, hey, if that's what church is, I don't want any of it. But when we follow him, when we follow him closely, we reflect his light to the world. He says, you are the light of the world. And he goes with a couple analogies here. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. My mind goes straight to a lighthouse. I don't know why, because he didn't mention a lighthouse there. He mentions a city set on a hill. But, but I was thinking, we, we had that opportunity uh, in, in July to take a road trip, and we passed. And, and as you're going up the coast, we tried to drive some uh, of the east coast and stuff there. As you're driving through some of that, you, you come across these lighthouses that are off in the distance. We have them here in Pensacola. You go out to Fort Pickens, and you can see the lighthouse across the water. And what's that lighthouse doing? That lighthouse is sending a signal showing these ships that are way off land that, hey, land is coming. You're drawing close to what could be a hazard if you don't change course or if you don't slow up. He said, you are the light of the world. And so what, what is light good for it? It illuminates in the darkness. Light shows us what it is that's happening. Even just a little bit of light in, in your room can show you uh, the obstacles that may be around so you don't stub your toe on some furniture or something like that. Just a, a hint of light will at least give you an outline of where it is you're supposed to walk, even when it feels really, really dark. That's what we're supposed to be for the world. We're supposed to be a touch of light that allows them to see through the darkness that surrounds them. A touch of light that allows them to see, hey, this is the path that I need to walk because there's a lot of hurdles over here and over here. So I need to walk this path here. I think about that lighthouse and, and how many centuries that's been used to show people 
to show those sailors that, hey, danger is ahead or land is ahead. We're headed in the right direction. Or, hey, no, we need to turn because that's not where we're supposed to go. The truth for us today is we can be that light for people around us. He goes into 15 and says, Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So Jesus is using this analogy with his disciples, and he's like, you wouldn't light a lamp and put it under a basket, would you? You, you wouldn't light this lamp and then cover it up to use for your house, would you? He said, no, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. See, he was telling his followers, and he's telling us today, he says, you have the opportunity to allow people to see something different. You are the salt. You are the light. And what you're going to do is you're going to allow people to see a way back to me. You're going to save them from corruption. You're going to allow them to know that the way that they're walking is not the right way. And this is the way that you should go. The salt and the light. He used two analogies that are very familiar with his guys there. But it's also one of those that has carried on through the generations for us as well. Sometimes we get lost in some of the analogies that Jesus used and the parables that he talked about. And you really got to dig in to understand that this is not one of those passages. The hardest part of this passage is keeping it in context with the first 12 verses of the chapter. Everything else is pretty straightforward. Your salt and your light. Well, what, what is salt good for? What is light good for? And Jesus said, hey, I need you to go be those things to the world. I need you to go and do that so other people can see me. Because look in verse 16 what it says. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He said, I want you to shine your light in a way that when they look at you, they glorify me because they know something is different about you. They see the work that you're doing. They see the things that you are continuing to do. Not to pat you on the back and say, hey, good job. You're doing great, Josh. That's awesome. I love that work you're doing. No, it's one of those to look and say, hey, you know what? There's got to be something different about that relationship. See, the, the reality of our world is the people that we're trying to reach, the people that God is laying on your heart, and I hope he's continuing to lay people on your heart to pray for their salvation and, and, and conversations to happen. And so as God lays those people on your heart, guess what? Those people have already had encounters with other believers, most likely. They've already had other encounters with people who profess to follow Christ. Now, we don't know and we can't determine if those were good encounters or not. But none of that matters because what you're called to be and what I'm called to be is salt and light that leaves a good taste in the lives of these people. So no matter what their past experience is with church, no matter what their past hurt or pain is with any of that, we get the opportunity to be the light of Christ to people who are lost and dying and going to hell. It doesn't matter what their other experiences are. You can show them something different. Some of the greatest compliments that one can receive 
is when they see somebody that is different from the other church people that they've seen. I've ran into, and Allie's ran into a lot of people who have been hurt by the church over the years. Our desire is to change their concept of what it is to be a church person. Our desire for those that have been hurt by the church or by religion or by whatever it is that, that hurt them, our desire is for them to see something different in us and know that, hey, they're just real people with real problems that serve a real God. That's what we desire for them to see. And if we can change that perception from, hey, I understand that you've been hurt by the church, but not everybody's like that, then we're given an opportunity to reach them. Because it doesn't matter what everybody else has done. I'm told that I am salt and I am light. So that's my job, to be salt and to be light. And at the end of the day, at the end of my time, Maybe not at the end of the day. Hopefully not. I got, I got plans, but if God takes me home, great. Uh, I'll see y'all when you get there. But at the end of my time, I won't answer for what y'all did. I'll answer for what I did. And Jesus told me, just as he told those followers, and just as he's telling you today, your job is to be salt and light. My job is to reach people by following him different than the religious people did in that day. He was trying to teach his disciples a different way to follow God than the religion that they, were, that they had seen that was pushing so many people away because you couldn't keep up with it. Our job today, church, is to be salt and light. No matter what we've done in the past, we have the opportunity to change that for our future. Maybe today you're saying, you know what, just like with the salt, you're saying, you know what, my light that candle's getting a little dim. You know, it's getting a little, that, that light's not shining as bright as it used to. God wants to fix that. I'd love to give you some great terminology about how you can make a candle shine brighter or whatever. I'm a dude. I, I, I get asked to sniff candles when my wife wants one. And she tells me, hey, do you like this one? We have totally different senses that we, we shop for candles. I'm, I go ahead and I'll tell myself I'm that. I, I want it to smell like something's bacon in the house or bacon, either one of those. Uh, those would be great. Or I want something fruity. I like the summer scents. Allie is much more clean linen, fresh type of, of smell herself. I want something that if, if I got a candle, I can feel like I got my money's worth because I can smell it all throughout the house. That's me. We have different things there, but I get the opportunity to smell all those when we go into those stores. I'd love to be able to tell you, hey, well, all you got to do is trim the wick and do all. I don't know any of that stuff. I just know what they smell like. But the beauty of it is, if you're telling me today that your light's not shining as bright as it used to, I don't have to do anything with that. That's between you and God. God can fix that. I don't have to help you try and trim that wick. I can point you to Bible studies. I can point you to different things. And I can point you in different directions to help you get on that page. But God's going to be the one that fixes that light for you. And all he's asking for us today is, I just want you to reflect my light. Because his light hasn't gotten any dimmer. And it never will. It's not going to fade. You're not going to have to change the bulb. You're not going to have to swap it to, to an LED because the environment tells us we have to. We're not going to have to do any of those things. His light is forever. 
He's just saying, I want you to reflect it to those that are around you. The beauty of this is most of you in here will not go to the same places. Some of you may work together. Some of you may go to school together. But the beauty of it is we get the opportunity to be salt and light in a lot of different places this week. Because the places I go will most likely be different than the places that you go. And so when we leave this place, God has reminded us that we're salt and light. But when we leave this place, we get to go and do that in little different pockets everywhere. Some of you will take that to your workplace. Some of you will take that to your schools. Some of you will take that to your home. Some of you will take that to the grocery stores and stuff that you do, the restaurants you eat at. No matter where it is you go, he said, I want you to be salt and light. If you want to boil that down and say, Josh, that salt and light just confuse it. He wants you to be different. He wants you to be set apart for his glory. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to affect people in a way that draws them to Jesus, not pushes them away. I read in uh, Daniel Aiken's commentary and he asked these different questions of what keeps you from shining, says what keeps you from shining brightly for Jesus among the nations? Does fear of man keep you from shining brightly for Jesus among the nations? Does pride keep you from shining brightly for Jesus among the nations? Does sin keep you from shining brightly for Jesus among the nations? Does comfort, does peer pressure, uh, do uh, parental expectations, do your ambitions and agendas? There's a lot of different things that can keep our light from shining. A lot of things that can get in the way of people seeing Jesus in us. The challenge for us today is, are we willing to move those things out? Are we willing to make the changes that we need to make so that people can see Jesus in us? It could be those things that I listed. It could be your pride. It could be your fear of, of man. We talked a little bit about that in Sunday school this morning through the book of Genesis. Sometimes fear of man is greater than fear of God. Sometimes it's our own agendas, our own ambitions. Sometimes it's just things in life, sin, that we're not ready to deal with. But this morning, I'd ask you to search yourself and see, what is it that's keeping you from shining brightly for Him? God has a purpose. He has a plan for everybody that's in this room and those that are watching online. He says, I want to use you. I've got people to reach. We've got work to do. But your salt has lost its flavor. Your light's a little dim. People aren't seeing those things. So today, what are you going to do to change that? Here in just a few moments, the altar will be open. Maybe today you just need to pray about it. Maybe you need to spend some time with God. Maybe the way we started the worship service made, made it to where you could hear what it is that He wanted to say to you today. And you need to come back to the altar. Do that. 
Maybe today you're saying, I don't even, I can't reflect the light of Jesus because I don't have a relationship with him. Well, today is a great day to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And I'd love to talk to you about that and pray with you about that. Because that's all it is. It takes a willing heart and a simple prayer to follow him. Maybe today it's one of those, a step of obedience um, in baptism or uh, joining his church and the work that he wants you to do here at Highland. I don't know how it is that God is speaking to you. But my prayer this week has been that he would talk to you. And that he'd beat y'all up with this message the same way he's beat me up with it all week. You have the opportunity to be salt and light. What is stopping you from doing that? Won't you make that change today? Let us pray. Father, we come to you today asking you to continue to speak giving us the courage and the boldness to respond to how you're speaking to each, and a, each one of us as individuals. Lord, don't let us get distracted by the things around us. Let us focus on you and let us respond to you how you're leading. And God, we'll be give, careful to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Highland Ministry Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's talk, please rate and review at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.